0: Chapter 8 of Little Men This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jen Raimundo. Little Men by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter 8. Pranks and Plays as there is no particular plan to this story except to describe a few scenes in the life at plumfield for the amusement of certain little persons we will gently ramble along in this chapter and tell some of the pastimes of mrs Joe's boys i beg leave to assure my honored readers that most of the incidents are taken from real life and that the oddest are the truest for no person no matter how vivid an imagination he may have can invent anything half so droll as the freaks and fancies that originate in the lively brains of little people. Daisy and Demi were full of these whims, and lived in a world of their own, peopled with lovely or grotesque creatures, to whom they gave the queerest names, and with whom they played the queerest games. One of these nursery inventions was an invisible sprite called the Naughty Kitty Mouse, whom the children had believed in, feared, and served for a long time. They seldom spoke of it to anyone else, kept their rights as private as possible, and, as they never tried to describe it even to themselves, this being had a vague, mysterious charm, very agreeable to Demi, who delighted in elves and goblins. A most whimsical and tyrannical imp was the naughty kitty-mouse, and Daisy found a fearful pleasure in its service, blindly obeying its most absurd demands, which were usually proclaimed from the lips of Demi, whose powers of invention were great. Rob and Teddy sometimes joined in these ceremonies and considered them excellent fun, although they did not understand half that went on. One day after school, Demi whispered to his sister with an ominous wag of the head, "'The kitty-mouse wants us this afternoon.' "'What for?' asked Daisy anxiously. "'A sacrifice,' answered Demi solemnly. There must be a fire behind the big rock at two o'clock, and we must all bring the things we like best, and burn them, he added, with an awful emphasis on the last words. Oh, dear, I love the new paper dollies Aunt Amy painted for me best of anything. Must I burn them up? cried Daisy, who never thought of denying the unseen tyrant anything it demanded. Every one. "'I shall burn my boat, my best scrapbook, and all my soldiers,' said Demi firmly. "'Well, I will, but it's too bad of Kitty Mouse to want our very nicest things,' sighed Daisy. "'A sacrifice means to give up what you are fond of, so we must,' explained Demi, to whom the new idea had been suggested by hearing Uncle Fritz describe the customs of the Greeks to the big boys who were reading about them in school is rob coming too asked daisy yes and he is going to bring his toy village it is all made of wood you know and will burn nicely we'll have a grand bonfire and see them blaze up won't we this brilliant prospect consoled daisy and she ate her dinner with a row of paper dolls before her as a sort of farewell banquet at the appointed hour the sacrificial train set forth each child bearing the treasures demanded by the insatiable kitty mouse Teddy insisted on going also, and seeing that all the others had toys, he tucked a squeaking lamb under one arm and old Annabella under the other, little dreaming what anguish the latter idol was to give him. "Where are you going, my chickens?" asked Mrs. Joe as the flock passed her door. "To play by the big rock, can't we?" "Yes, only don't go near the pond and take good care of baby." i always do said daisy leading forth her charge with a capable air now you must all sit around and not move till i tell you this flat stone is an altar and i'm going to make a fire on it demi then proceeded to kindle up a small blaze as he had seen the boys do at picnics when the flame burned well he ordered the company to march round it three times and then stand in a circle i shall begin and as fast as my things are burnt "'You must bring yours.' "'With that he solemnly laid on a little paper-book full of pictures, "'pasted in by himself. "'This was followed by a dilapidated boat, "'and then one by one the unhappy, leaden soldiers marched to death. "'Not one faltered or hung back, "'from the splendid red-and-yellow captain "'to the small drummer who had lost his legs, "'all vanished in the flames and mingled "'in one common pool of melted lead. "'Now, Daisy!' called the high priest of the kitty mouse when his rich offerings had been consumed to the greatest satisfaction of the children my dear dollies how can i let them go moaned daisy hugging the entire dozen with a face full of maternal woe you must commanded demi and with a farewell kiss to each daisy laid her blooming dolls upon the coals let me keep one the dear blue thing she is so sweet besought the poor little mamma clutching her last in despair more 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 growled an awful voice and demi cried that's the kitty mouse she must have every one quick or she will scratch us in went the precious blue bell flounces rosy hat and all and nothing but a few black flakes remained of that bright band stand the houses and trees round and let them catch themselves it will be like a real fire then said demi who liked variety even in his sackery faces, charmed by this suggestion the children arranged the doomed village laid a line of coals along the main street and then sat down to watch the conflagration it was somewhat slow to kindle owing to the paint but at last one ambitious little cottage blazed up fired a tree of the palm species which fell onto the roof of a large family mansion and in a few minutes the whole town was burning merrily the wooden population stood and stared at the destruction like blockheads as they were till they also caught and blazed away without a cry it took some time to reduce the town to ashes and the lookers-on enjoyed the spectacle immensely cheering as each house fell dancing like wild indians when the steeple flamed aloft and actually casting one wretched little churn-shaped lady who had escaped to the suburbs into the very heart of the fire the superb success of this last offering excited teddy to such a degree that he first threw his lamb into the conflagration and before it had time even to roast he planted poor annabella on the funeral pyre of course she did not like it and expressed her anguish and resentment in a way that terrified her infant destroyer being covered with kid she did not blaze but did what was worse she squirmed first one leg curled up then the other in a very awful and lifelike manner. Next she flung her arms over her head as if in great agony, her head itself turned on her shoulders, her glass eyes fell out, and with one final writhe of her whole body she sank down a blackened mass on the ruins of the town. This unexpected demonstration startled everyone and frightened Teddy half out of his little wits. He looked, then screamed, and fled toward the house, roaring, Mar Marr, at the top of his voice. Mrs. Bear heard the outcry and ran to the rescue, but Teddy could only cling to her and pour out in his broken way something about poor Bella herded, a dwight fire, and all the dollies dorn. Fearing some dire mishap, his mother caught him up and hurried to the scene of action, where she found the blind worshippers of Kitty Mouse mourning over the charred remains of the lost darling. "'What have you been at?' tell me all about it said mrs Joe, composing herself to listen patiently for the culprits looked so penitent she forgave them beforehand with some reluctance demi explained their play and aunt Joe laughed till the tears ran down her cheeks the children were so solemn and the play was so absurd i thought you were too sensible to play such a silly game as this if i had any kitty mouse i'd have a good one who liked you to play in safe pleasant ways and not destroy and frighten just see what a ruin you have made all daisy's pretty dolls dummies soldiers and rob's new village beside poor teddy's pet lamb and dear old annabella i shall have to write up in the nursery the verse that used to come in the boxes of toys the children of holland take pleasure in making what the children of boston take pleasure in breaking only i shall put plumfield instead of boston we never will again truly truly cried the repentant little sinners much abashed at this reproof them he told us too said rob well i heard uncle tell about the greece people who had altars and things and so i wanted to be like them only i hadn't any live creatures to sacrifice "'so we burnt up our toys.' "'Dear me, that is something like the bean story,' said Aunt Jo, laughing again. "'Tell about it,' suggested Daisy, to change the subject. "'Once there was a poor woman who had three or four little children, "'and she used to lock them up in her room when she went out to work, "'to keep them safe. "'One day, when she was going away, she said, "'Now, my dears, don't let baby fall out of window. "'Don't play with the matches, and don't put beans up your noses.' now the children had never dreamed of doing that last thing but she put it into their heads and the minute she was gone they ran and stuffed their naughty little noses full of beans just to see how it felt and she found them all crying when she came home did it hurt asked rob with such intense interest that his mother hastily added a warning sequel lest a new edition of the bean story should appear in her own family very much as i know for when my mother told me the story i was so silly that i went and tried it myself i had no beans so i took some little pebbles and poked several into my nose i did not like it at all and wanted to take them out again very soon but one would not come and i was so ashamed to tell what a goose i had been that i went for hours with the stone hurting me very much at last the pain got so bad i had to tell and when my mother could not get it out the doctor came then i was put in a chair and held tight rob while he used his ugly little pincers till the stone hopped out dear me how my wretched little nose did ache and how people laughed at me and mrs Joe shook her head in a dismal way as if the memory of her sufferings was too much for her rob looked deeply impressed and i am glad to say took the warning to heart demi proposed that they should bury poor annabella and in the interest of the funeral teddy forgot his fright daisy was soon consoled by another batch of dolls from aunt amy and the naughty kitty mouse seemed to be appeased by the last offerings for she tormented them no more Brops was the name of a new and absorbing play invented by Bangs. as this interesting animal is not to be found in any zoological garden unless du charlot has recently brought one from the wilds of africa i will mention a few of its peculiar habits and traits for the benefit of inquiring minds The bropp is a winged quadruped, with a human face of a youthful and merry aspect. When it walks the earth, it grunts. When it soars, it gives a shrill hoot. Occasionally, it goes erect and talks good English. Its body is usually covered with a substance much resembling a shawl, sometimes red, sometimes blue, often plaid, and, strange to say, they frequently change skins with one another. On their heads they have a horn, very like a stiff brown paper lamplighter. Wings of the same substance flap upon their shoulders when they fly. This is never very far from the ground, as they usually fall with violence if they attempt any lofty flights. They browse over the earth, but can sit up and eat like the squirrel. Their favorite nourishment is the seed cake. Apples also are freely taken, and sometimes raw carrots are nibbled when food is scarce. They live in dens where they have a sort of nest, much like a clothes basket, in which the little brops play till their wings are grown. These singular animals quarrel at times, and it is on these occasions that they burst into human speech, call each other names, cry, scold, and sometimes tear off horns and skin, declaring fiercely that they won't play the few privileged persons who have studied them are inclined to think them a remarkable mixture of the monkey the sphinx the rock and the queer creatures seen by the famous peter wilkins this game was a great favorite and the younger children beguiled many a rainy afternoon flapping or creeping about the nursery acting like little bedlamites and being as merry as little griggs to be sure it was rather hard upon clothes particularly trouser knees and jacket elbows but mrs bear only said as she patched and darned we do things just as foolish and not half so harmless if i could get as much happiness out of it as the little dears do i'd be a prop myself nat's favourite amusements were working in his garden and sitting in the willow-tree with his violin for that green nest was a fairy world to him and there he loved to perch making music like a happy bird the lads called him old chirper because he was always humming whistling or fiddling and they often stopped a minute in their work or play to listen to the soft tones of the violin which seemed to lead a little orchestra of summer sounds the birds appeared to regard him as one of themselves and fearlessly sat on the fence or lit among the boughs to watch him with their quick bright eyes the robins in the apple tree nearby evidently considered him a friend for the father bird hunted insects close beside him and the little mother brooded as confidingly over her blue eggs as if the boy was only a new sort of blackbird who cheered her patient watch with his song the brown brook babbled and sparkled below the bees haunted the clover fields on either side friendly faces peeped at him as they passed the old house stretched its wide wings hospitably toward him and with the blessed sense of rest and love and happiness nat dreamed for hours in this nook unconscious what healthful miracles were being wrought upon him one listener he had who never tired and to whom he was more than a mere schoolmate poor billy's chief delight was to lie beside the brook watching leaves and bits of foam dance by listening dreamily to the music in the willow-tree he seemed to think nat a sort of angel who sat aloft and sang for a few baby memories still lingered in his mind and seemed to grow brighter at these times seeing the interest he took in that, mr Bear begged him to help them lift the cloud from the feeble brain by this gentle spell glad to do anything to show his gratitude nat always smiled on billy when he followed him about and let him listen undisturbed to the music which seemed to speak a language he could understand help one another was a favorite plumfield motto and nat learned how much sweetness is added to life by trying to live up to it jack ford's peculiar pastime was buying and selling and he bid fair to follow in the footsteps of his uncle a country merchant who sold a little of everything and made money fast jack had seen the sugar sanded the molasses watered the butter mixed with lard and things of that kind and labored under the delusion that it was all a proper part of the business his stock-and-trade was of a different sort but he made as much as he could out of every worm he sold and always got the best of the bargain when he traded with the boys for string knives fish-hooks or whatever the article might be the boys who all had nicknames called him skinflint but jack did not care as long as the old tobacco pouch in which he kept his money grew heavier and heavier he established a sort of auction room and now and then sold off all the odds and ends he had collected or helped the lads exchange things with one another he got bats balls hockey sticks etc cheap from one set of mates furbished them up and let them for a few cents at a time to another set often extending his business beyond the gates of plumfield in spite of the rules mr bear put a stop to some of his speculations and tried to give him a better idea of business talent than mere sharpness in overreaching his neighbours now and then jack made a bad bargain and felt worse about it than about any failure in lessons or conduct and took his revenge on the next innocent customer who came along his account book was a curiosity and his quickness at figures quite remarkable mr bhaer praised him for this and tried to make his sense of honesty and honour as quick and by and by when jack found that he could not get on without these virtues he owned that his teacher was right cricket and football the boys had of course but after the stirring accounts of these games in the immortal tom brown at rugby no feeble female pen may venture to do more than respectfully allude to them Emil spent his holidays on the river or the pond and drilled the elder lads for a race with certain town boys who now and then invaded their territory the race duly came off but as it ended in a general shipwreck it was not mentioned in public and the commodore had serious thoughts of retiring to a desert island so disgusted was he with his kind for a time no desert island being convenient he was forced to remain among his friends and found consolation in building a boat house. the little girls indulged in the usual plays of their age improving upon them somewhat as their lively fancies suggested the chief and most absorbing play was called mrs shakespeare smith the name was provided by aunt joe but the trials of the poor lady were quite original daisy was mrs s s and nan by turns her daughter or a neighbor mrs giddy-gaddy no pen can describe the adventures of these ladies for in one short afternoon their family was the scene of births marriages deaths floods earthquakes tea-parties and balloon ascensions millions of miles did these energetic women travel dressed in hats and habits never seen before by mortal eye perched on the bed driving the posts like metals and steeds and bouncing up and down till their heads spun fits and fires were the pet afflictions with a general massacre now and then by way of change nan was never tired of inventing fresh combinations and daisy followed her leader with blind admiration poor teddy was a frequent victim and was often rescued from real danger for the excited ladies were apt to forget that he was not of the same stuff their long-suffering dolls once he was shut into the closet for a dungeon and forgotten by the girls who ran off to some out-of-door game another time he was half drowned in the bath-tub playing be a cunning little whale and worst of all he was cut down just in time after being hung up for a robber but the institution most patronized by all was the club it had no other name and it needed none being the only one in the neighborhood the elder lads got it up and the younger were occasionally admitted if they behaved well tommy and demi were honorary members but were always obliged to retire unpleasantly early owing to circumstances over which they had no control the proceedings of this club were somewhat peculiar for it met at all sorts of places and hours had all manner of queer ceremonies and amusements and now and then was broken up tempestuously only to be re-established however on a firmer basis rainy evenings the members met in the schoolroom and passed the time in games chess morris backgammon fencing matches recitations debates or dramatic performances of a darkly tragical nature in summer the barn was the rendezvous and what went on there no uninitiated mortal knows on sultry evenings the club adjourned to the brook for aquatic exercises and the members sat about in airy attire frog-like and cool on such occasions the speeches were unusually eloquent quite flowing as one might say and if any orator's remarks displeased the audience cold water was thrown upon him till his ardour was effectually quenched franz was president and maintained order admirably considering the unruly nature of the members mr Bear never interfered with their affairs and was rewarded for this wise forbearance by being invited now and then to behold the mysteries unveiled which he appeared to enjoy much when nan came she wished to join the club and caused great excitement and division among the gentlemen by presenting endless petitions both written and spoken disturbing their solemnities by insulting them through the keyhole performing vigorous solos on the door and writing up derisive remarks on walls and fences for she belonged to the irrepressibles finding these appeals in vain the girls by the advice of mrs Joe, got up an institution of their own which they called the cosy club To this they magnanimously invited the gentleman whose youth excluded them from the other one, and entertained these favored beings so well with little suppers, new games devised by Nan, and other pleasing festivities, that, one by one, the elder boys confessed a desire to partake of these more elegant enjoyments, and, after much consultation, finally decided to propose an interchange of civilities. The members of the Closie Cub were invited to adorn the rival establishment on certain evenings, and to the surprise of the gentlemen their presence was not found to be a restraint upon the conversation or amusement of the regular frequenters which could not be said of all clubs i fancy the ladies responded handsomely and hospitably to these overtures of peace and both institutions flourished long and happily End of chapter eight recording by jan Raimundo.